0: Chapter nine, Part A of the Monastery by Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine, Part A. For since they rode among our doors With splint on spalled and rusty spurs, There grows no fruit into our furs. Thus said john, Up on land. Denatine manuscript the scottish laws which were as wisely and judiciously made as they were carelessly and ineffectually executed had in vain endeavoured to restrain the damage done to agriculture by the chiefs and landed proprietors retaining in their service what were called jack men from the jack or doublet quilted with iron which they wore as defensive armour these military retainers conducted themselves with great insolence toward the industrious part of the community lived in a great measure by plunder, and were ready to execute any commands of their master however unlawful. In adopting this mode of life men resigned the quiet hopes and regular labours of industry for an unsettled precarious and dangerous trade, which yet had such charms for those once accustomed to it, that they became incapable of following any other. Hence the complaint of John Upland, a fictitious character, representing a countryman, into whose mouth the poets of the day put their general satires upon men and manners they ride about in such a rage by forest frith and field with buckler bow and brand lo where they ride out through the rye the devil must save the company both john up on land christie of the clinthill the horseman who now arrived at the little tower of glendearg was one of the hopeful company of whom the poet complains, as was indicated by his splint on spald, iron plates on his shoulder, his rusted spurs and his long lance. An iron skull-cap, none of the brightest, bore for distinction a sprig of the holly which was Avenel's badge, a long two-edged straight sword, having a handle made of polished oak, hung down by his side. The meagre condition of his horse, and the wild and emaciated look of the rider, showed their occupation could not be accounted an easy or a thriving one. He saluted Dame Glendinning with little courtesy, and the monk with less, for the growing disrespect to the religious orders had not failed to extend itself among a class of men of such disorderly habits, although it may be supposed they were tolerably indifferent alike to the new or the ancient doctrines. So our lady is dead dame glendinning said the jackman my master has sent you even now a fat bullock for her mart it may serve for her funeral i have left him in the upper clew as he is somewhat kenspeckle footnote kenspeckle that which is easily recognised by the eye and is marked both with cut and burn the sooner the skin is off and he is in salt fat the less like you are to have trouble you understand me let me have a peck of corn for my horse and beef and beer for myself for i must go on to the monastery though i think this monk hero might do mine errand thine errand rude man said the sub-prior knitting his brows for god's sake cried poor dame glendinning terrified at the idea of a quarrel between them o oh, Christie, it is the sub-prior o oh, reverend sir it is Christie of the clinthill the laird's chief jackman you know that little havings can be expected from the like o them are you a retainer of the Laird of Avenel said the monk addressing himself to the horseman and do you speak thus rudely to a brother of St Mary's to whom thy master is so much beholden he means to be yet more beholden to your house sir monk answered the fellow for hearing his sister-in-law the widow of Walter of Avenel was on her deathbed he sent me to say to the father abbot and the brethren that he will hold the funeral feast at their convent and invites himself thereto with a score of horse and some friends and to abide there for three days and three nights having horse-meat and men's-meat at the charge of the community of which his intention he sends due notice that fitting preparation may be timelously made friend said the sub-prior believe not that i will do to the father abbot the indignity of delivering such an errand thinkest thou the goods of the church were bestowed upon her by holy princes and pious nobles now dead and gone to be consumed in revelry by every profligate layman who numbers in his train more followers than he can support by honest means or by his own incomings tell thy master from the sub-prior of st mary's that the primate hath issued his commands to us that we submit no longer to this compulsory exaction of hospitality on slight or false pretences our lands and goods were given to relieve pilgrims and pious persons not to feast bands of rude soldiers "'This to me,' said the angry spearman, "'this to me and to my master. Look to yourself then, sir priest, and try if Ave and Credo will keep bullocks from wandering and haystacks from burning.' "'Dost thou menace the holy church's patrimony with waste and fire-raising?' said the sub-prior, "'and that in the face of the sun? I call on all who hear me to bear witness to the words this ruffian has spoken. Remember how the Lord James drowned such as you by scores in the black pool at Jeddart.' To him and to the primate will I complain." The soldier shifted the position of his lance, and brought it down to a level with the monk's body. Dame Glendinning began to shriek for assistance. "'Tibb! Tackett! Martin! Where be ye all? Christie, for the love of God, consider he is a man of Holy Kirk.' "'I care not for his spear,' said the sub-prior. "'If I am slain in defending the rights and privileges of my community, the primate will know how to take vengeance.' "'Let him look to himself,' said Christie but at the same time depositing his lance against the wall of the tower. If the fife men spoke true who came hither with the Governor in the last raid, Norman Leslie has him at feud, and is like to set him hard. We know Norman a true bloodhound, who will never quit the slot. But I had no design to offend the Holy Father," he added, thinking perhaps he had gone a little too far. I am a rude man, bred to lance and stirrup, and not used to deal with book-learned men and priests and I am willing to ask his forgiveness and his blessing, if I have said aught amiss. For God's sake, your reverence, said the widow of Glendearg, apart to the sub-prior, bestow on him your forgiveness. How shall we poor folk sleep in security in the dark nights, if the convent is at feud with such men as he is? You are right, dame, said the sub-prior. Your safety should and must be, in the first instance, consulted. Soldier, I forgive thee, and may God bless thee and send thee honesty. Christy of the Clint Hill made an unwilling inclination with his head, and muttered apart, That is as much as to say, God send thee starvation. But now to my master's demand, sir priest. What answer am I to return? That the body of the widow of Walter Avenel, answered the father, shall be interred as becomes her rank, and in the tomb of her valiant husband. For your master's profit visit of three days, with such a company and retinue, I have no authority to reply to it you must intimate your chief's purpose to the reverend Lord Abbot. "'That will cost me a farther ride,' said the man, "'but it is all in the day's work.' "'How now, my lad,' said he to Halbert, who was handling the long lance which he had laid aside, "'how do you like such a plaything? Will you go with me and be a moss-trooper?' "'The saints in their mercy forbid,' said the poor mother and then afraid of having displeased christie by the vivacity of her explanation she followed it up by explaining that since simon's death she could not look on a spear or a bow or any implement of destruction without trembling pshaw answered christie thou shouldst take another husband dame and drive such follies out of thy thoughts what sayest thou to such a strapping lad as i why this old tower of thine is fensible enough and there is no want of clenches, and crags, and bogs, and thickets, if one was set hard, a man might bide here, and keep his half-score of lads, and as many geldings, and live on what he could lay his hand on, and be kind to thee, old wench. Alas, master Christie, said the matron, that you should talk to a lone woman in such a fashion, and death in the house besides. Lone woman! Why, that is the very reason thou shouldst take a mate. Thy old friend is dead. Why, good! choose thou another of somewhat tougher frame and that will not die of the pip like a young chicken better still come dame let me have something to eat and we will talk more of this dame elspeth though she well knew the character of the man whom in fact she both disliked and feared could not help simpering at the personal address which he thought proper to make to her she whispered to the sub-prior only thing just to keep him quiet and went into the tower to set before the soldier the food he desired trusting betwixt good cheer and the power of her own charms to keep Christie of the clinthill so well amused that the altercation betwixt him and the holy father should not be renewed the sub-prior was equally unwilling to hazard any unnecessary rupture between the community and such a person as Julian of avenel he was sensible that moderation as well as firmness was necessary to support the tottering cause of the church of Rome, and that contrary to former times the quarrels betwixt the clergy and laity had, in the present, usually terminated to the advantage of the latter. He resolved therefore to avoid farther strife by withdrawing, but failed not in the first place to possess himself of the volume which the sacristan carried off the evening before, and which had been returned to the glen in such a marvellous manner. Edward, the younger of Dame Elspeth's boys, made great objections to the book's being removed in which Mary would probably have joined, but that she was now in her little sleeping-chamber with Tibb, who was exerting her simple skill to console the young lady for her mother's death. But the younger Glendinning stood up in defence of her property, and with a positiveness which had hitherto made no part of his character, declared that now the kind lady was dead, the book was Mary's, and no one but Mary should have it. "'But if it is not a fit book for Mary to read, my dear boy,' said the father gently, "'you would not wish it to remain with her?' "'The lady read it,' answered the young champion of property, "'and so it could not be wrong. It shall not be taken away. I wonder where Halbert is. Listening to the bravading tales of gay Christie. I reckon, he is always wishing for fighting, and now he is out of the way.' "'Why, Edward, you would not fight with me, who am both a priest and an old man?' If you were as good a priest as the Pope, said the boy, and as old as the hills to boot, you shall not carry away Mary's book without her leave. I will do battle for it." "'But see you, my love,' said the monk, amused with the resolute friendship manifested by the boy, "'I do not take it. I only borrow it, and I leave in its place my own gay missal, as a pledge I will bring it again.'" Edward opened the missal with eager curiosity, and glanced at the pictures with which it was illustrated. St. George and the dragon, Halbert were like that. And St. Michael brandishing his sword over the head of the wicked one, and that will do for Halbert too. And see the St. John leading his lamb in the wilderness with his little cross made of reeds, and his scrip and staff, that shall be my favourite. And where shall we find one for poor Mary? Here is a beautiful woman weeping and lamenting herself. This is St. Mary Magdalene repenting of her sins, my dear boy," said the father for she commits no faults, and is never angry with us but when we do something wrong. Then said the father, I will show you a Mary who will protect her and you and all good children. See how fairly she is represented, with her gown covered with golden stars." The boy was lost in wonder at the portrait of the Virgin which the sub-prior turned up to him. This, he said, is really like our sweet Mary and I think I will let you take away the black book, that has no such goodly shows in it, and leave this for Mary instead. But you must promise to bring back the book, good father, for now I think upon it Mary may like that best which was her mother's." "'I will certainly return,' said the monk, evading his answer, "'and perhaps I may teach you to write and read such beautiful letters as you see there written, and to paint them blue, green, and yellow, and to blazon them with gold.' ay and to make such figures as these blessed saints and especially these two marys said the boy with their blessings said the sub-prior i can teach you that art too so far as i am myself capable of showing and you of learning it then said edward i will paint mary's picture and remember you are to bring back the black book that you must promise me the sub-prior anxious to get rid of the boy's pertinacity and to set forward on his return to the convent without having any further interview with Christie the galloper answered by giving the promise Edward required mounted his mule and set forth on his return homeward End of chapter nine part a